Again, for joining me on this edition of Free Thinker Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Vela. On this edition of the show, I have a very special guest on to discuss a topic that I know that a lot of you have been asking me about, and that is, of course, Jesus mythicism. Now, my guest today is Albert Mickelhenny. Albert is a retired IT support technician with a BA in mathematics from Temple University. He worked in the information technology field, both in network support and in teaching classes to prepare people for Microsoft and Cisco examinations. He became a Christian back in 1992 and started using his passion for history, logic, and his ability to process large volumes of information in a short period of time in his study of the history and development of the Christian faith. Albert is currently in the process of writing a series of e-books titled A Christian Response to Jesus Mythicism that critiques all aspects of this movement, and he's a regular contributor on uh, labarum.com. Albert, welcome to the show. Yes. Thank you. How, how are you doing, Tom? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. And I pronounce it, I only ever see it in print. Is it labarum? Labarum, L- labarum I think, is the, is the, the Latin, although in, I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. It's just the Kairos symbol. That's what the, the word actually means. Got so. it. Got it. So labarum.com. Yes. Yep. L-A-B-A-R-U-M.com for those of you who are listening. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can follow there. So, so Albert, why don't you just start by telling uh, my listeners who you know, were born and raised in a cave and haven't uh, been on the internet uh, whatsoever what Jesus mythicism is, kind of what started you uh, getting you engaged with it. Because, and I'm asking this because normally we don't give much time to such like ridiculous positions i mean I, I don't i don't have episodes on holocaust deniers or flat earthers so so why is it that this position which will i mean really is ridiculous why is it that this one has become well, such a problem for christians well one of the one of the i think one of the major issues is that ridiculous positions are often the hardest to defend against because you really don't expect the arguments that they come up with. Yeah. It's sort of, if, if you were, for example, a lot of times physicists stumble around trying to deny things like the the, the, the theories that the moon landings were a hoax because it, it's ridiculous, but if you've never heard the, these arguments before, how exactly do you respond to something so utterly absurd? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and, and, and it, it's almost like you just want to say shut up and go away, and which was my initial reaction. But what I found is that um, a lot of particularly Christians who were shaky on their faith and maybe were leaving the faith, they tend to jump on this bandwagon because it tells them what they want to hear. And in many cases, it's harder to reason with someone after they've accepted mythicism than it is when they're considering it. Right. Which is one of the reasons I want to get the actual correct information out. Because, and this is something I've said again and again, Jesus mythicism at its core, even among the most intellectual mythicists, and now I realize the contradictory, there are some who are more, attempt to be more scholarly. At its basis, you really have to be a conspiracy theorist to be a mythicist. Right. In today's, maybe that wasn't the case a century ago, but right now, you really do have to be a conspiracy theorist, given what we know now. Yeah. And, when someone accepts any conspiracy theory, they start reinterpreting reality to fit the theory. So if you give them this evidence showing why mythicism is wrong and they've already accepted it, they just assume that that was planted evidence, you know, right. by the conspirators. So, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's better. Than, yeah, it's a whole, you know, I, I'm, I'm Jesus Christ. Well, then why are you in this insane asylum? Well, that's just what you would do to me if I was Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, so it's... It's much easier to actually, if you sort of deal with it before it becomes a problem than after it becomes a problem. But unfortunately, like most things, the church tends to be, when dealing with challenges, tends to be a bit on the lazy side, and they, they wait for the they wait for the forest fire to call out the fire engines. <laughs> right. You know, they, they 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 wait till hundreds of acres are are ablaze before they decide to do anything about it, and. 
Actually, what ended up happening with the reason I was involved is because I, um, in debunking mythicism long before it ever became popular. This is back in the 90s. Um, after I, shortly after I became a Christian, I had an acquaintance, um, someone I had worked with, who was a conspiracy theorist. I, you, you know, the Holocaust denial, you know, the, the, the bankers, the, you know, the, the Illuminati, the whole, the whole nine yards. And, of course, this was part of it. He was a big fan of a conspiracy theorist named Jordan Maxwell. Oh. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. Yeah, a little bit. And he, there's, uh, he, there's a bunch of videos of him. He was also a mythicist. But, a, a, but on, he had a mythicist that makes Acharya S. look like Bart Ehrman. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and there's yeah, and it, it it's sort of off into a Bushby territory. Um, and and I basically he said, look at this, look at it. He gave me a bunch of videos, and I set about looking at them. And I, but I was at a university at the point. I had the facilities to actually investigate it and found out what was at the root of it. And it was ridiculous. And then I just put aside and think about it. And suddenly I hear about this film Zeitgeist, and well, you know what. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into that one. We'll yes, one. So so uh, now that we've established that you're like you're like the hipster of Jesus mythicist busters, like you you were there before it was cool. Uh, yeah. Which uh, is what I mean. It's hard to say, you know one definition because there's so many different variations, and we'll kind of get into some of the different ones. But at Jesus mythicism. Okay, I would say there are basically I would I would call them two strains: the people who are attempting to give an academic veneer. And the ones who don't and rush capacity of unbridled wackiness. Okay. <laughs> now, in in the former category, you will have a a Richard Carrier or or people like that, and they'll sort of look back to people of Valerie, the the um that or some of those sort of nineteenth century history of religion type people. On the other hand, you have the Jordan Maxwell's, the D. M. Murdoch's, the um, Tony Bushby's, who fall more into the, uh, basically looking back to 19th century crank occultists and other sort of local village atheists of the variety of the Cursey Graves or a Gerald Massey and some of the other usually all too familiar with some names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Gerald Massey definitely definitely comes up a lot, especially in the first couple that we'll talk about. Yes. Um, and, and so the, so let's let's just dive right in. So the first one, uh, and 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 they're always pitched as like astonishing evidence or uh, scholars have found, and this new study reveals, and all this kind of stuff. And then it's a link to you know D. M. Murdoch or, yes. something, or something like that. So, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's always New Testament scholars, and it's like uh, these people are not New Testament. I mean, not even close. So so yeah. uh, you've already mentioned uh, Zeitgeist. Let's start, let's start with like the 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 bat crap crazy like the the really really just go from bizarre to well you know still you know bizarre but at least you know tries to make it academic um so so zeitgeist okay. what happens in zeitgeist what what is that about well a lot of people don't actually and this is one of the advantages i had because of my prior experience when i first because i was telling people were me you got this movie you got to see this movie so i finally sat down and watched it and i'm looking at it and Right. The first thing that comes to mind was, he is a fan of Jordan Maxwell. Yeah. Has to be. Everything, be- not just because of the Christianity part, but the other two parts as well about the bankers and about 9-11. It was old, it was recycled Jordan Maxwell material. In fact, in each of the three sections of Zeitgeist, the sort of central focus, like at the end of each section, was an actual little speech by Jordan Maxwell. Yeah. If you're aware of that. And, and, and I, I, I was sure that he knew it, and later, guess was actually proven correct, because I got, a, I got my hands on a, a, a radio interview of Peter Joseph, who's the creator of Zeitgeist, being interviewed on a conspiracy theorist radio program by someone named Jeff Rentz. Jeff Rentz is the person you go to for the people who are cr- too crazy to get on Coast to Coast AM. <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically, he was praising Jordan Maxwell. You know, saying that this is the guy, this is everything was based on Maxwell's work, that Maxwell was a huge influence on him, that he had been studying years, et cetera, et cetera. Um, years after the film came out, of course, and everyone found out, and, and I think they sort of realized Maxwell was a nutcase, they started backing away from Maxwell's material and sort of trying to edit film. 
and and but it, it it's it's just a hot mess uh, any way you look at it. <laughs> yeah, and and so and I mean we we can't go into every single claim it made, but the the you know let let's just say the audience hasn't hasn't really seen it. What's you know the main claim? What it, what does it mean when he says Jesus is just another solar messiah? Um, basically, he's trying to say that that there there are these sort of series of there, there are three things that go into the Zeitgeist film. The first is the whole idea of the the um, the the yearly cycle, the yearly solar cycle, the whole thing with the the anoxes uh, and the winter solstice and, and that whole material. Then there's the parallels, and then there's the other arguments about the uh, so many historians who never sold Jesus or never talked about Jesus idea. Um, the 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 funny thing is that are are, are you familiar with that section where they talk about the yeah yeah um you know that that the sun hitting a alone for three days which is in fact true it does hit a like there's a solar minimum for three days the problem is of course that they say see look it's between the 22nd it is when it occurs and then the sunrise and it starts rising so therefore this is well first of all of course that's Christmas. That's not Easter. Uh, so the resurrection never came. Resurrection occurred on December 25th. So let's right. start there. Yeah. Um, sec- second problem is while that may be the case now, it wasn't when in the first century because the only reason we it's between the 22nd and the 25th now is because the because um, a uh, Pope Gregory the Thirteenth introduced a Gregorian calendar in the 16th century, which is a little bit too late to influence first-century Jews. Um, <laughs> actually, back then it wouldn't have been between the 22nd and 25th because they were using the Julian calendar, and and it actually kind of floated forward because the calendar was. That's why they had to change the calendar because it had lost 10 days over the centuries. So, th- so that whole argument just doesn't even hold water from from the the, the initial. Part part of it, then to these parallels that I, I, all I can say is they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> For example, they'll, they'll talk about um, uh, uh, they'll talk about Horus being crucified. There is no mythology with Horus being crucified. None, zero, zip, zat, nada. And to show you how bad it is, to show you how ridiculous it is, when it was pointed out that. Was to people like Dan Murdoch, who later helped Joseph with the re- re-editing the film, when it was shown that look, there is no mythology. They rather than we made a mistake here. Instead, they redefine the word crucified. Literally, if you look at the source guide for Zeitgeist, the one that that little PDF they have now that yeah. you can download, yeah. it defines crucified as basically having your arms extended. Right. So, if, for example, you, those iconic pictures of Richard Nixon with his hand raised, he's crucified. Elvis <laughs> Presley is a crucified king. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, no, of course, if you read Murdoch's earlier material, okay, they didn't talk about anything about you know just having your arms extended. They said crucified, died, and resurrected. Now, as far as I know... Having your arms extended isn't fatal unless, of course, someone attaches it to a Roman cross. <laughs> right. Or stabs so, you in the side with a spear. Right, exactly. Yeah. Something something along those lines. And and then they'll say things like Addis was crucified. Well, Addis wasn't crucified. Addis was castrated. There's a difference. <laughs> right. And if you can't tell the difference between castration and crucifixion, maybe you shouldn't be discussing <laughs> the topic at all. Yeah. 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 I, I always I always think of when I think of Zeitgeist and I think of like the effect the effect it's had because let's let's be honest it it's it's kind of the internet infidel new atheist who are who are really who yes. are really influenced by this. Let's let's be totally honest. And I always picture the person who's who's convinced by this like like there are people who are convinced like this and i just i I, i'm it's probably not gracious but i just picture them sitting at home on their couch in their boxers eating cheetos you know half stone out of their mind and they hear uh you know sun and sun and they're they're like oh my gosh my mind is blown like with with no with no you know no firing between in the gray matter between the ears right nothing i i I just can't i can never imagine anyone saying oh my gosh there's a homonym in English between sun and sun. Therefore, in the well, first well, century, it's just, it's just madness well, to me. 
what what's fun funny of course is now a lot of zeitgeist supporters will say well well and in fact this is said in the in the source guide well we didn't really mean son and son that way it was it was oh, we were only making a little joke a pun well no they weren't because that then if you look at maxwell's material which which joseph admits it was based on maxwell does this all the time with english words not just with the son and son but things like abram he says Abraham was Abram, and it comes from Ab, which means father, and Ram for Aries the Ram. Of course, Ram is a word in modern English. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the same idea. It's it, it basically, or Horus, 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 the word horizon means Horus risen. That, oh, that, that's yeah. in the original version of Zeitgeist. Oh, oh, I, I haven't even heard that one. Yeah, that, that was in the they, they that's one of the things they cut out uh, because it was so. It, I, I had the original version, so if if anyone ever tries to challenge, I've actually had the. I'll have to send it to you. The original version of Zeitgeist, wow. <laughs> which well, is I, I, which I, makes I, the current version look like real scholarship. Yeah, if you send that to me, I don't know. I don't know if I should thank you or hate you for that. I mean, that, <laughs> that could be punishment to watch that again. Oh. Uh, so so okay. So so Zeitgeist is bad. I mean. It, it's all these parallels, right? It says, you know, Addis and Horace and all these people that were, you know, born of a virgin. They were, you know, had yeah. 12 followers and it ties on this all astrology. Complete hokum, right? I mean, yes. no, no sources and, literally for any of it. I mean, it, it talks about... Well, well, it, what's interesting is every once in a while they'll try to come up with a source. And so I, I as part of this thing I'm doing, the, the series, I had to go look up these sources and some of them are just absolutely hilarious because I'll recognize a person as a legitimate scholar, but when you read what they actually wrote and you read what the person is citing them for, it, 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 you're sort of getting this, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me give an example. Um, there's a, a an, an author uh, named Jose, Jose Harari, who's actually a, a textual analyst, but it's more for a literary. He's more into the into um, Italian and French literature, which uh, you'd be wondering why he's talking about Addis, okay? Um, well, it turns out that they cite him for saying that Addis was crucified. Well, when you read what he's actually saying, he's, he does mention Addis being crucified, but he's not talking about Addis as he appeared in mythology in the, in the first century, or even the second. But he's talking about Addis as he appeared in a 20th century poem by William Butler Yeats. That gives you an idea just how bad it really is. Um, and by the way, the only reason he even has him crucified there is because Yeats was using the death of Addis and having him die in a crucifixion-type position, even though he was castrated, to be a symbol a symbol between the transition, a poetic symbol between the transition of the classical period to the medieval Christian period that followed. It wasn't he actually thought he was ever crucified in mythology at all. Right. It, was, it was a literary device. Right. And that and that's actually an example because a lot of these even even the sources that that you know they don't have really sources that show what they're talking about but a lot of the sources we have for you know people like Addis and Dionysus come into the Christian era anyways yes right so so we don't even, we don't have for most of these people sources that are pretty and, and and you have to realize that uh, uh, the the mystery cults as they call them first of all we don't know what they were really like in the first and second century because well it was that's why they called them the mystery cults they didn't tell anybody <laughs> um, but also what happened is these cults tended to be very syncretistic um, whenever anything became popular they they jumped on it for example when when Mithra like the Mithraic the Mithraic cults did the whole thing with slaying the bull. Well, Addis, the Addis cult did something like that too. So what happened is when certain Christian beliefs became popular, let's say around the 3rd century and 4th century, some of these cults adopted certain popular items out of Christianity that were not in that religion before. Right. Such as a, like Addis suddenly became a resurrected Addis rather than kind of sitting there with like one finger jabbing. <laughs> but that, that comes in the 4th century. Right. Um, and so they'll cite someone like uh, like Andrew T. Fear saying that Addis, you know, there was a thing about Addis being resurrected, but Fear is very explicit that this was influenced by Christianity. It wasn't pre-Christian. Right. But they don't mention that part, of course. <laughs> of course not. No, they're, they're totally selective. Uh, so, so, so Zeitgeist and, and Murdoch are, are 
you know, on a scale of one to ten of ridiculous, you know, they're they're. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so, believe it or not, there are worse. Uh, uh, Maxwell's yeah. worse. Tony Bushby is even worse than Maxwell. So I mean, it gets really bad. Thank, <laughs> thankfully, I haven't come. I haven't come across Bushby. Okay. Yeah. 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 You, you'll you. You probably have, but because he gets quoted a lot, but you probably didn't realize it was him. It's him. It, it, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so the next one, and we can we can kind of breeze through him quick because I do want to get to to some of the the yes. larger the larger guns. Uh, Joseph and I bring him in because he's he's a little bit different. Um, he's not he's not you know solar messiah, and he's not you know the the followers invented him. He 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 wrote a book called uh, Caesar's Messiah. Um, are you are you kind of familiar yes. with Atwell? So what was what was Atwell's yes. what was Atwell's thesis? Well, Atwell's thesis, which again, it's straight out of conspiracy theory land, yep. uh, is basically that the Romans designed this great this sort of plot to pacify the Jews by creating a religion to make them more peaceful. Right. Uh, and and that basically that religion was Christianity, and 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 they based. And depending on, there's a few versions of of this thesis. I believe Atwell based it, thought it was based on Titus, and yeah. and there's someone else who thought it was based on Julius Caesar. Um, there's an, another author who thought it was based on Julius Caesar. Basically, the same. And then there's the famous Piso theory, which I think was the first one of that variety. That the, they they it it's all absurd. It's sort of the Romans created Christianity. And why they didn't do this with people who were a lot more problems than the Jews, I don't know. If it were so successful, you'd think they might try this with Huns or <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but no, no. They they they. Um, why they would create this religion and then persecute its followers, we don't know. <laughs> it, it, the whole thing is just utterly ridiculous. And basically what becomes is a, with him is a game of connect the dots. This, it, very much like this word sounds like that word. This picture looks like that picture. This guy had a, you know, this guy had a, had a died, this guy died, therefore they're the same guy. It, it's, it's, it's really pretty absurd. Yeah. Um, and he, and, and he does it based on, based on, I, I, I think, uh, the, yeah, you're right. Emperor Titus, um, as portrayed in Josephus. And he basically says, look, the, 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 the writings that talk about the life of Christ, it, it kind of geographically follows, uh, Emperor Titus as, as, as portrayed in, 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 jo, in Josephus, you know, well, he went, yeah, nor- but, he, Jesus went North and, and Titus went North type of thing. Yeah. Well, well, basically, see, the whole problem here, of course, is that they're saying, well, look, they followed the same map. Well, first of all, if you look at Israel, it's not that wide a country. Right. Um, and basically, Jesus lived in Galilee, which is north of Judea, and then headed south. Titus was coming from Rome, so he's going to enter that area from Galilee and then head south. Well, of course, they're going to be going in the same general direction because they're going in the same general direction. Right. You know, there's a cars going up I-95 from Philadelphia to New every day. <laughs> that only one of them exists and the rest are copies. <laughs> yeah, and, and they both go to Jerusalem for a reason. It's Jerusalem. Yes, <laughs> yes it is Jerusalem, right. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's sort of like, why would someone, you know, why would someone go to Jerusalem? Uh, it's the biggest city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? It, it, it's it, the capital. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be saying, "Why would an ambassador go to Washington D.C.? Because it's Washington yes, D.C. That's obviously. where they go." Uh, okay, so yeah, so Atwell, at, at Atwell, you know, uh, you know, out there. Uh, also, one of those people who gets called a, a New Testament scholar, even though not even approaching it. Um, yeah. No, okay, no, so- actually, there's a reason. There's actually is a reason Atwell got called a New Testament scholar. He wrote the press release that said he was a New Testament scholar, oh. and then other people just. Press release, yeah. Oh, gag. That's like, that's like that's like my favorite uh, David McAfee, who self-professed to be a scholar, and then people followed suit. Uh, yeah. Moving on. That's a that's an aside. So so speaking of another David, how about how about David Polkovich, right? He so David Polkovich writes this article. Uh, this, of, I think it's Michael Polkovich. Polkovich. Yeah, I believe. The Michael. Middle, I, no. I could I could have David McAfee on the brain. Polkovich. We'll just go Polkovich. Yeah, Polkovich. Polkovich. <sighs> It, it's Polkovich. It, it's kind of funny. He he wrote it. He he got a lot of press about a year ago, roughly yeah. it, last year, right after Atwell got his little moment in the sun. And I think and basically because he had written an article that got picked up 
by some by some atheist site and then got more wider publicity um and there there there's something that it appears a version appears in zeitgeist and in almost every mythos book is referred to as remsburg's list now remsburg's list it's named after Johnny was from the 19th century, who wasn't the first person to do it, but he was the one who popularized it. The idea of, hey, look at all these people who never mentioned Jesus. Right. Therefore, Jesus doesn't exist. Well, no, because a lot, if you look at most of the books, now, now, what Polkovich did was took it to, to heights that, you know, he got 126, where most people stopped at about 30. Right. The, the problem is, if you look at that list, most of the same people also never mentioned Julius Caesar. Right. Right. Um, most of them also never mention, in fact, a number of Caesars. Why? Because they were writing about things like growing trees, um, astronomy, mathematics. So they, and they always label them historians. And almost no one on those lists are historians. They're astronomers, they're mathematicians, they're playwrights. They're, <laughs> you know, and on and on and on. They're poets. There's a there's someone um, that who they say, well, look, he wrote four books. Yeah, more rhetoric. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, they'll mention Columella, who, who wrote, basically, he wrote a book about trees. Uh, right. Now, now why, why would he write about Jesus? Uh, maybe he figures, you know, Jesus, fig tree, this guy grew fig trees, I don't know. <laughs> he wrote a blistering review of this, and, and she talks about how uh, uh, Fontenis, he, he wrote a treatise on, on aqueducts. And, and she says she says something along the lines of so so unless unless he was writing about the fountain of living water, uh, he probably wouldn't have mentioned yeah. Jesus, right? I mean, he's, he's writing about he's yes. writing about Roman or, aqueducts. Or, 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 unless he's talking about aqueducts where the water turned into wine, I don't know. Right, right, yeah. He and 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 part of this, he just start, he just starts listing off people who are alive at that point. I mean, he's listing off like consuls and generals, and I mean, he's just he's just listing off people who we know are. Alive. It has we have no reason to think that anyone that any of them would have written on, you know, a, 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 a rabbi in the, in the backwoods of the empire who died pretty much almost the, the minute he hit the public scene and the criminal's death. So think about it from, from the Roman point of view, okay? Remember, this, this is not... Uh, do you remember the, that fellow in, in a few... About a couple of years back who was really popular named Todd Bentley? Do you remember Todd Bentley? I don't, no. He was the one who you, he was like an, a, a charismatic preacher who used to try to heal people by punching them and kicking them. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you remember him, yeah. right? Now that I mention it. Yeah. Well, well, Todd Bentley claimed all these miracles. He claimed to raise 12 people from the dead. Jesus only had a couple, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, but almost no one has ever heard of him. If you ask any, and, and this is in the age of the, the information age. Yeah. Almost no one's ever heard of the guy. Yeah. Well, why? Because most people are going to look at him and go, this guy's a nut, okay? Well, from a Roman point of view, what you're dealing with is Je- with Jesus is someone who, even if they had heard of him, they would have thought, here's a guy, and, and back people actually believed in things like salt. They didn't doubt that miracles could happen. They thought, that they believed, there were a lot of people paraded around as sorcerers and things like that. But the other thing, he's a guy who caused a bunch of trouble and showed up in Jerusalem, caused a ruckus, and died a week later. Right. But, you know, why would they care? Right. He was one of many troublemakers that, that the good Roman army took care of. That's yeah. from their point of view. That's about it. He, they, he would not be mentioned until the, his followers, who, even even if they claimed he rose from the dead. I mean, they're not, yeah, yeah okay, that's fine. Um, that's <laughs> their, their reaction. But until followers influence Roman society, they're not going to care. Right. They just yeah. don't and even then, if you look at this list, there's people in there we have no extant writings from. So, right. yeah, he didn't mention Jesus. He didn't mention anybody. As far as we know, we, we don't know who he mentioned because no one, we don't have anything written by the guy. Yeah. Uh, there's people in there from the third century when we have undisputed people who already knew about Jesus. So, obviously, he did it too. But we, he just chose. Sometimes, you, you know, in, in, I've in ten books in this series so far, and I have yet to mention President Thomas Jefferson. Does that mean I was unaware of his existence? No, it's just not in your field of, of what you're writing on. Yeah, exactly. So it, it doesn't, you know, <laughs> I, I, I have not mentioned him. I haven't mentioned Bill Clinton. He's in my own lifetime. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think I think they have this impression that there that that back then there were reporters like there are today. Yes. Yeah. Um, like like fact, there, like there's people walking around reporting on current events. Right. Right. No, they 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 you it may come as a shock, but nobody had iPhones. UPI hadn't been hadn't begun yet. There's no, um, there's no Twitter. No CNN. Right. Um, they, they they just weren't there. They, 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 were, some, they somehow survived with MSNBC. Yeah, well, I, I could survive without MSNBC. But you know, the, the, the whole the whole it, it, it's just absurd. It is absolutely absurd. And 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 these and they make these sort of ridiculous arguments that somehow these people should have known. Well, if you look at them, the, the fact is, from the Roman point of view. How many of these Roman writers named mentioned anybody in Judea? Anybody? Right. Find the only one I I know of who was definitely mentioned by someone who wasn't himself Jewish. Like certainly Josephus and Philo mentioned some Jews, but the only one I know of who definitely mentioned a Roman writer definitely mentioned a Jew was what some of the Roman historians mentioned Herod, but that was strictly in relation to Herod taking this, initially taking the side of Mark Antony and then later switching to Augustus during the Civil War. So that, but so that, so that actually had in relation to the great battle between Mark Antony and Augustus. It wasn't that they were that clear, it's just that he was a player in that little scenario. Right, right. Okay, so, so, you know, Polkovich, uh, done away with. I mean, he has, yeah. you have atheists like Tim O'Neill and Stephen Bollinger, uh, blistering criticisms. Freedom. I mean, just tore him apart. Yes. You, have, you have other yes. New Testament uh, actual scholars like Dieter Moss tore him apart. So, so he's done and gone. Yeah. Uh, so the next ones on the list. So, so let's let's talk about. Uh, I mean, briefly. I only I only list David Gerald just because. I see his book around so much. That, right. That's, right. I, it's one of those things where I, I see his book. I don't know if I've met anyone who's read it, um, uh, but I see it around. Unfortunately, I have. Um, <clears throat> Fitzgerald, David Gerald, I, I like to – he's sort of the poor man's Richard Carrier. Yeah. Um, he won't, he's, a, he's a carrier wannabe. Okay. He, re, he, in fact, he'll even tell you like how much he admires Carrier. He, he, you know, it, 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 I guess even even Richard Carrier has his fans. So, <laughs> but but Fitzgerald basically is the poor. Now, what's funny is because I think Fitzgerald is probably, um, in terms of his book, is probably sold more than Carrier simply because it's it's more. Marvel, if you know what I mean, it's it's snazzier. It's 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 a breeze. It's he's a, he has breezier prose than Carrier. Yeah. Um, so so and and basically what Fitz, if if you look at Fitzgerald, a lot of it is just simply recycled arguments from other people, um, and and things that are just downright false. Uh, I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. Um, like at one point, he claims that there were plenty of people running around Judea um, writing about the various religious movements, and Tim O'Neill, in his review of Fitzgerald's book, said, name them. He said, other than Josephus, name one. Right. <laughs> because he's the only one anybody knows of. He said there were dozens of people, or there was many, I think it was there were scores, he said, scores of writers around, you know, covering religious movements in Judea. Well, the only one anybody knows of is, is Josephus. There, um, there were literally ones of historians writing at the time. <laughs> well, well what, was, what was hilarious, though, is when he challenged him on that point, um, Fitzgerald's answer was, well, I had lots of material I couldn't fit into the book because I had to edit it down. Well, okay, that's fine. Now, now give us the list. Now add that list of names on yeah. a blog or something, you know. <laughs> he, he's never come up with the list. You're right. Yeah. Just excuses, and and that, and and the way Tim O'Neill put it was that 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 excuse was the equivalent of the dog ate my homework. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's the type of uh, I mean, quote unquote scholarship. It's not it's not scholarship. It's it's not actual research. It's just it's just kind of uh, uh, what I call like information collection. It, yeah. You're not you're not doing any research. You're just saying, okay, well, I'm going to read Richard Carey and I'm going to read Robert Price, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make what they say a little bit more palatable. But I'm not right. actually doing any research whatsoever. Yeah, he's basically taking the the 
other mythicist authors who maybe are a little harder to understand and and giving he's sort of giving the popular the the the, the reader's digest version of their work right but he can't. But he can't go any deeper because he he doesn't do any research. So so he might you know read that there are uh, you know scores of these other people, and he he might believe that there are because you know he's read it in your rights, But he, he can't come up the list because he hasn't actually done the research himself. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, speaking of people who have who have done research in there, you know we're we're climbing this ladder. We're getting close to the top. Uh, Raphael Lassiter or Latastor. I always want to say Lassiter. Latastor. Uh, I know. I. I, I... Um, he, he's he's an he's another one that I put in the uh, Richard Carrier fan club yep. sort of thing. Oh, he's a fan. Um, yep. now, now, yeah, he has. There are things that that I mean, a lot of it again is recycled material. Um, first of all, we're dealing with you realize we're dealing with someone whose book was panned by his own professor. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't we should give that, the, we should give the backstory, right? So, so Latastor is he's, he's is he a, is he at Melbourne University? Yes, I go. I, I University of Sydney. Sydney. I so, so and he's he's a graduate student, and yes. and, he, and he wrote a he wrote a. I don't know if the book was his was his PhD thesis, and he was preempting it because he didn't actually he hasn't gotten his PhD yet. No, no. I think this was this was like a master's pro, a master like a, a project of some sort. But he's, he he wrote a book titled "There Was No Jesus, There Is No God," um, which is more like there was no reason, there is no logic. But <laughs> there was no research, there is no logic. Is what I want to say. It's he says things in there that just make your jewel drop. For example, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a, a quote. From his book, um, it says, It is all too easy to read the Gospels into the Pauline epistles, especially for unspecting Christian believers who find the Gospels conveniently placed at the front of their Bibles. <laughs> now, I don't know what kind of Bible he has, but I usually find the Old Testament in the front of my Bible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that is a direct quote from his book, by the way. Yeah, that's, uh, which, you know, it shouldn't surprise us. I, I'm, always, I, I'm always surprised that, that I am still surprised when I hear things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I shouldn't be surprised by that anymore. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah and Latastor does all the typical things. He deals a lot with, he, he has a lot of the, the, the misquotes of the church fathers that are, that are always popular with mythicists. Um, the, 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 the whole thing, well, because they like to blame everything on Eusebius and, and Eusebius is not a great guy by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Um, but one of the things you'll always hear them say is something like that. He was that Eusebius, uh, said that it was okay to lie for the church and he, and he never said anything at, like that at all. What he actually said was it that it was okay to use certain metaphors when describing God that are anthropomorphic, even though God is is spirit rather than rather than um, that rather than actually having arms and a nose and a body. You know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what it. And you point, you go back to the chapter. That's what the, what it's actually about. It has nothing to do with him saying lying for the church or anything. There's other things that they claim. Um, it, it, it's just absolute. That that's an example of, of sort of the. He, he repeats a bunch of those. Um, he, there's almost no concern for uh, the for for fact. I mean, what I find again and again is when that mythicists quote other mythicists who quote other mythicists. At no point do they have any any. Uh, evidence that they've actually read the original sources that they're quoting. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're dealing with quotes from church fathers. You almost, in every case, it's it's taken out of context, it's or it's made up. Um, there, there's a bunch of quotes of church fathers that are, that, are, that are completely fabricated, that simply do not exist in any of their writings, yep. that, that, that get recycled around by mythicists. It's amazing. Um, in fact, that was I had one of the books in the series was strictly on that topic of of, of quotes of church fathers that that get, that get abused. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it just goes from bad to worse. Um, okay, so let's let's go let's go. I mean, we're this this is a, a, a large kind of jump up the ladder. We're we're getting to people who actually have you know uh, PhD degrees. Okay. Um, so oh, well, we're, so, skip, we're we're skipping Earl Doherty. <laughs> uh, we yeah, you can we can talk about him really okay. really fast. Go go ahead. What, yeah, Earl, Do- Earl Doherty. I, I wanted to talk get on Doherty's because he's because he's so he's. So he's so influential. He's one. He may be the single most influential mythicist in terms of what the the better mythicists, if you want to call them that, are theorizing. Like his whole interpretation of Paul is now the standard fare. Um, and and basically, what you'll find is that his interpretation, his his exegesis of Paul, is pretty much made up. Uh, okay. <laughs> that that if you read Paul in context, it's utterly, utterly with utterly ridiculous um and and i'll actually be dealing with it in the book future just strictly on on his exegesis of paul but he 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 takes things um and just completely mishandles them he he takes things out of context he takes uh new testament commentaries and rips things out of context that yeah it's amazing this whole bit that paul didn't uh believe in a, in, a histor- in a historical Jesus. It's just an absurdity. Right. But that comes from, that's Doherty's theory. Right. Um, because it, because Paul, Paul only saw a vision, right? Well, one of the things he'll talk about, for example, is he says that um, because Paul never, because Paul at one point mentioned that he, he received, the, the gospel he preached, he received directly in a vision from Jesus Christ. Uh, he received directly from Jesus Christ. So he says, well, therefore, he didn't learn anything about Jesus Christ from the other apostles. Well, no. Because, <laughs> see, what the mistake Doherty is making is he's assuming the word gospel means biography of Jesus. Right. But that's that's anachronistic. That's a later development when those books became known as gospels in the second century. In the first, what Paul is talking about is the idea that we are saved by faith, by faith by grace through faith and not by works of the law. That's what Paul was referring to when he said the gospel I preach, because he specifically says what it is. It's that we're saved by faith through grace through faith. He says nothing about um, who he learned uh, the biographies and any details of Jesus's life from. That has nothing to do with when Paul, what Paul says about the gospel, receiving the gospel. The gospel is how we are saved, not a biography. Jesus. Right. And I've always said this weird. I, I never know where people get it from, where they say, you know, well, well, Paul had, ne- Paul never knew Jesus. Paul never met him, right? Which, I mean, I mean, I'm trying to say, you know, we have proof that he did meet him, but he's, he's a Pharisee, right? Yes. At the time that Jesus is ministering, right? Th- this is not a large community. We're not talking about, you know, fifty thousand people of, of Pharisees. They don't. I mean, we're we're not talking about a huge group of people. You know, I'm not going to go so far as to say, you know, Paul was was in one of those groups of Pharisees that, you know, would talk to Jesus or anything. But he rubs shoulders with the same people. Yes. Right. When when he's well, persecuting he's, the early church, when he's persecuting the church, he's persecuting. Right. Jesus's followers. Right. It would, it, it would be bizarre if he thought that Jesus didn't exist. Right. And the thing is, even if Paul never specifically met Jesus, he knew of Jesus. He knew Jesus existed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He knew he he may not have let's say come face to face with him, but he knew there was this guy Jesus that they cruci. And he, my guess is, he probably saw the crucifixion, unless there was some reason he was out of town that day. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it, it, it's an absurdity. It's a, it, it it simply there's nothing there's no evidence of this. There's nothing you can say that can possibly support the idea that he was unaware that Jesus lived on Earth. Right. Yeah, it's just so it's just so bizarre. And it'd be it'd be like if I was writing a letter to my pastor about you know my wife and I, and and I have to go. Oh, and by the way, you know I, I'm not just mentioning my wife in a spiritual sense. She actually exists. She's a person. Here's her biography. Right. I just assume that we have shared knowledge of who my wife is. Right? Well, well one, of the, one of the thing I always thing I always find amazing is that, well he's like you said right there he didn't spe- we'll say he didn't specifically say he lived on Earth. Well, the fact is that when you write about someone, if they didn't live on Earth, you would probably make note of it. Yeah, that'd be something to mention. So the the fact is, unless there's 
incredible evidence to the contrary, the default position is he lived on Earth. Right. Especially when Chuck meeting his brother. Yes. Um, it, it, and and, the, and that's when, is when they'll say, well, they, they meant brethren as in like a brother in Christ. Well, no, they didn't, because in the same sentence, he's talking about Paul, Peter, and John, and James. And he only mentions James as being brother of the Lord. Well, certainly Peter and John were brothers in Christ too. In that, if he meant it in that sense, what would he say? Yeah, it would have been the the brothers in Christ, Peter, Peter, you know, John, James. There's a reason. See, the the question is, can can he give a legitimate reason why he wouldn't, why he would say it that way, rather than not mention it at all or call all of them brothers? And he can't. But I can give a very good reason why he specifically said James, brother of the Lord. And the reason is, he mentions Peter, Cephas. He mentions John. If he's he's using Peter, John, and James together, what James would most people think of? They would think of James, the brother of John, since that was the inner circle of the Twelve. But he meant the other James, James, the brother of the Lord. So he specified him. You follow what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there's there's a good reason he used James brother of those. He was differentiating because remember when he mentions that he talks he's talking about years in the past in the early days of the church when James the the brother of John was still alive before he had been murdered and so if he had mentioned Peter John and James everyone would thought he meant James the brother of John but he specified no the one I saw was James the brother of the Lord right. Yeah, and, and uh, for just any of my listeners who want uh, a little bit more on, on that, it is kind of a nuance point how, uh, how name modifiers like that work. Richard Bauckham did uh, a really excellent job on, uh, in, in Jesus and the Eyewitnesses going over some of those, why, why the authors use modifiers on names uh, when they do, which is really good. I recommend to, to my listeners. Yes, that's uh, great. It is, yeah, it, it's, well... It's not an easy read, and, and you probably need, like, you know, uh, 50 cups of coffee to keep yourself awake going through <laughs> some of the statistical analysis, but it's really, really worth it. It's really mm-hmm. worth it. Um, okay, so let's move on. Um, so, so, so Robert Price. Uh, Robert Price, we're, we're now into someone who actually has uh, a PhD. Two of them, as a matter of fact. Two, two in relevant fields. Yes. Uh, but, um, you know, endorse D.M. Murdoch or Akari yes. S. Right. So, uh, so what do you do with that? If, if you would ask me five years ago, six years ago, of all the mythicists, who was the most serious one? I would have said, without a doubt, Robert Price. Without a doubt. No, no doubt in my mind. Now, not so much. Um, it, Robert Price is sliding down the slippery slope of conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory cranked them, frankly, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and descending fast. Uh, because I, I, I mean, I totally disagree with him, but I thought he was, a, you know, he's a smart guy. Yeah. But he's obviously gotten, he's obviously succumbed to the woo factor. I mean, a, a few years back, he he destroyed murder. The, the, and, and you can still find it on, if you search for it on um, archive.org, the, the Wayback Machine. But his review of Murdoch's Christ conspiracy is is one of the most brutal reviews <laughs> ever. New one. Oh, and he took it down since then because they've sort of now they're buddies. Um, but it's it's I don't know what's gotten into him because it, it used to be that he was definitely trying to separate himself from the from the people who are you know on to definitely the conspiracy theorist side. But he seems to have now he's backing not only Murdoch but the Rennie Psalm and the Jerusalem and the Nazareth never, uh, or you know the um, the Nazareth never existed and, and that whole bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's absurd. It, it, he's sort of he, he he's going down in my estimation. He's, he's sliding fast down the slippery slope of conspiracy theory crackdom. Uh, you know? Yeah, and I, 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 it's it's kind of now the, the the thing about it is he is someone who. <sighs> was at one point a very sort of fundamentalist evangelical somewhere in the, in that sphere and I guess lost his faith but 
he he is the evidence of what G.K. Chesterton once said, is that when people stop believing in God, they don't believe nothing, they believe anything. Yeah. And Robert Price is, I think, the classic example of that. Yeah. I mean, once once you allow a, a DM Murdoch foot in the door, I mean, it's just it's it's downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's wrap up. So let's go to let's go to the final. Uh, we'll probably you know spend a, a good chunk of time on on this one. Uh, Richard Carrier, right? Uh, speaking of creepy, uh, Richard yes. Carrier. <laughs> Richard Carrier is probably amorous self. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I mean. I, you know, to, to each his own. But when but when you're trying to be a respectable <coughs> academic, don't use your academic website, you know, to, to hook up. I, I mean, it just yeah. it, it it it's it's creepy and it, it really delegitimizes whatever scrap of, of legitimacy his work had in the first place. Uh, I know. Well, that's, I, well, yeah, I I, I um a, a couple of years ago, if you remember the t- when Airman's criticism of mythicism came out. And I don't, by the way, think Ehrman's book was by any means great in terms of that. I thought Maurice, if you're talking about atheists who debunk mythicism, I thought Maurice Casey did a much better job than Ehrman. Um, But, see, see, I I think one of the problems we have have with someone like Ehrman is Ehrman is the opinion that that you're an idiot merely for disagreeing with Bart Aaron. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that proves you're not a serious scholar. And and I think that um, he was sort of shocked by Carrier's venom, not re- because he, he like, apparently never bothered reading Carrier's blog where he where any uh, contradiction of Carrier is met by forty thousand word posts. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. I I went I did a whole blog post, and you can look it up. If you look up Carrier or look up Ehrman on my website, um, there's an article about Ehrman and Richard Carrier and sort of evaluation of that, of that dispute. And in almost every item, Carrier simply did his homework. He did, Carrier has a... Carrier, he's a bright guy. He's got his PhD. Now, it was it was in history. It, it was not in an area related to Christianity, but it was legitimate. It was in Roman history. But if you look, he has a tendency to look at sources and see what he wants to see. Yep. And not what's actually there. And and I sort of prove it again and again if in that article that he just, there's, what he's saying is simply wrong. Um, and, and, and any way you look at it, 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 he sees things that just simply aren't there because he wants to see them, and I think that's his great. And, and the other thing is, and this ha- happens because of my background in mathematics. I can tell you with certainty, and you can check this with Tim McGrew, who has a PhD in mathematics. Yeah. Richard Carrier does not understand probability theory because yeah, I'm just saying that because of his whole thing with Bayes' yeah, theorem. He yeah, his, his book, his he history, right? He's trying to he's trying to apply Bayes', yeah. Bayes theorem to. Historic, historic method, basically. And and let, let me let me just point out the obvious. I mean, without getting into the whole thing of, without getting into a mathematical discussion, which I realize is not really what your show's about, but just to explain, Bayes' theorem is very very useful in terms of adding conditions to you know exa- But the whole idea of Bayes' theorem, the the reason it it works so well is because it's it's a recursive uh, thing. It's, so basically what will happen is, for example, let's say you, you, you think this is the highest probability. Let's say you're looking for something in the ocean. Let's say a, a lost airplane, like, you know, with MH, whatever that plane was. Right. And, and, you, and you sort of, or, or lost treasure or something, and you sort of break everything up in quadrants and say that's the place where it's most probable. And then you find it isn't there. Then you can take that information that it's not there and recycle it into the original equation and recursively come up with a new best guess. Yeah, and that's where Bayes' theorem really comes in handy because you're adding new things that you didn't know before each each step of the way. But when you're dealing with something like this, he just picks up conditions that were already pre-existing. And acts as though it's new information. Right. Well, how do you know that that pre-existing condition wasn't already figured into the information when you got the initial probability? Right. You don't. You're just making it up. Basically, you 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 can fix. You're 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 
rigging the numbers. You're just playing it, and he doesn't really understand how it works. And that's just a, that's just a brief example of, of the problems that happens. Yeah, and and that's that's one of the reasons why I kind of have stayed away from from that that part of Carrier's work. I, I've I've engaged with some of the other stuff. You know, Bayes' theorem and, and probability calculus is not not my you know super strong point either. And it could be my misunderstanding, but but I I just get super skeptical whenever I see people trying to apply Bayes' theorem to to anything in history. Uh, I I, somet- yes. I sometimes feel the same way. You know, I I I I really respect some some Christian apologists, but they try to do it with the resurrection. But whenever I see it done in history, it's it's always like they they could when they when they figure the prior probabilities, they they could figure it however they want. It just seems so subjective, no matter how you want to use it. Whenever you use it in regards to history. It's sort of like the arguments, for example, you'll, you'll find um, uh, one of the arguments, let's say, against the resurrection being, you know, that well, people don't rise from the dead. Well, yeah, we know that. That's why we're saying stuff. Right. <laughs> it, it, sort of, it, it's like, if people did this from the dead, we wouldn't be making a big deal about this one. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that people don't rise from the dead normally. We're saying this is the exception, and this is why we're making big, you know, if, if people rise from the dead all the time, then we wouldn't make such a big deal about this other guy rising from the dead. Right, right. And so, so, the, so, so the, it's an example of where the, the probability, that whole idea is just meaningless in this context, because that's, we're not, deni- no one's denying that it's rare. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. We're, we're going to say, you know, maybe, maybe two of a kind, right? I mean, you got Lazarus and Jesus, yeah. you know, right? So, okay. Uh, yeah, and, and and I actually have never seen this book before. So he has, he has, I mean, he has a couple out. He has Proving History, which is the Bayes Theorem one. He has On the History of Jesus, which is basically part two, where he wants to then apply those findings to Jesus, which is problematic. He has another right. book. I don't know if you've seen, you probably have. Hitler, Homer, Bible, Christ. The Historical Papers of Richard. That's basically. <clears throat> right, yeah. from, from 1995 yeah. to 2013. Well, as, 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 well, which, which I find amusing is if he's this like famous scholar who needs to have his piss collected. Right. Um, well, my, my first thought was don't don't other people normally publish a festive in your honor, right? Right? Isn't that, yeah. isn't that like other people's job to collect your writings and, and publish that festive in your honor, right? I, I mean, this, yeah, yeah. But he uh, but he's the publisher of it, right? He he's the one that collected it, thought he's important yes. enough, and and writes and you know does this book for himself. Well, well and nobody else was going to. <laughs> <laughs> somebody should. I mean, somebody should. Yeah. yeah, well, it, uh, it's, it's 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 sort of it's sort of like that that time on his website. I don't know if it's still when he declared like the the world renowned. Yeah, <laughs> he, he referred to himself as world renowned. No, you're not <laughs> really. And I, look, I'm not saying he didn't. He doesn't have a legitimate PhD. He does. But come on, you know, you, you be, he's been out of school for close to a decade. He had never achieved a, a tenure track position in any university. They obviously, you know, he's never, he has not made any big waves in the academic field. Right. Um, right. So, I mean, it's not that he's, I'm not saying he's stupid by any means, but it's not as though he's this major figure. Uh, he, a pop, he's basically a popular atheist blogger. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but let, let, let's not try to paint him as this major scholar. He isn't. Right. Yeah, he's, he's world renowned because yeah. you know inf- just, infidels.org, you know, is world world renowned. Right, <laughs> there are people who read it all uh, over the world. <laughs> but but if you ask like people who in the fields that he's operating in, have you ever heard of Richard Carrier? And no, they haven't actually. You know, they've they've heard of Bart Ehrman, they've heard of Dan Wallace, they've heard of yeah. <laughs> people like that, but they have not heard of Richard Carrier. Right. I, I remember, and you know, this we can start. We can start wrapping up with this. I, I remember I, I've written to a couple uh, of my ex-professors and, and some professors that so where I'm getting my masters and, and people who are experts in in uh, in you know first century uh, you know second temple Judaism historical Jesus. I even I even asked some you know Old Testament scholars because uh, uh, S D Murdoch has her new book on on historical Moses, and I and I asked them. I, I said you know why why aren't scholars writing on this? Right? Why? Why are there no responses? What, you know, th- there's no one writing in 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 actual peer-reviewed journals or writing peer-reviewed books. You know, uh, besides Airman, who wrote his book, which which really reads like he he threw it together on a weekend. <laughs> uh, 
why is Nora and 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 most of them wrote back and said uh, we've never heard we, we we've never heard of it and I waste my time on something that's so ridiculous. Yeah, pretty much. And, and, and I want to give just to sort of close on this point. I, I think it's important for people to put things in perspective when you're dealing. With, now, it's okay for me to deal with Jesus mythicism because I'm not. I don't have an academic career, and this is sort of a. I, I'm an apologist, and this is a, since I was. I knew this material better than other people. I thought this would be a good, you know, focus for my energy since it needed to be done by somebody. But to put things in perspective, there are, in terms of people with PhDs, maybe four, three, four people who believe with, with PhDs in a relevant field who believe Jesus never existed. There are at least three people with PhDs in physics and astronomy who are geocentrists. Right. Think about that minute. There are almost as many people who believe with PhDs in physics who believe the sun goes around the earth as there are people in a relevant field who believe Jesus didn't exist. Right. It's it's that, just batty. Yeah. It see, because you can always find a PhD somewhere to believe just about anything. There's people there's there are you know, there was a Dead Sea Scroll scholar. Dead Sea Scroll scholar who believed Jesus was a magic mushroom. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can always find a nutcase somewhere. Okay? I, th- I think I think Peter Kreef has a line that's so crazy only a PhD would believe it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's it's just it's so bizarre. I, I normally give the example of you know they're they're so they're they're literally as of right now as far as I know you, you know maybe maybe you can think of one. <clears throat> not just people with PhDs, but but people we would consider scholars, right? People who are who are gainfully employed at an institution of higher education and who publish and peer reviewed work on the, on on their talks, right? There, there. The last I the last I checked, there was uh, I don't know um, one north of negative one, uh, right? There there were the, the, zero. The only ones, the only ones that I the only one that I know of that I know of. Who was employed, although is no longer, I don't think, was Thomas Brody, right? And and Thomas Thompson was a Jesus agnostic, if you right. want to call it that. Right. But other than that, I mean, Robert Price has not really worked in the in the academic field in years, as far as I know. Yeah. Um. And and Carrier never has. They both have PhDs. So we're talking. I know four people with with relevant PhDs. Two of them were actually employed in academia. Um, only one of them still remains, right. as far as I know. The agnostic. Yeah. 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 And 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 no one's publishing on it. I mean, I think I think Brody yeah. didn't even come out as this until after he left, right? Right. Yeah. Or well, actually, what, what I think what happened with Brody was. Um, he was told to leave. But you see, it's one thing for you to have an academic position and say that you could get away with that, but to be to have an academic position and be a member of the of a religious order, right? Because he was a Jesuit, I think, or a Dominican or something, and teaching at a Dominican university that didn't go over too well, right? Right. I mean, I mean, to put this in perspective, I mean, this is this is there there are there are people who are trying to you know get get uh, intelligent design. You know, taught in schools. These are there. There are professors at universities who are losing their jobs because they're you know trying to to present intelligent design right. as opposed to neo Darwinism. This there is are, this is so crazy that the one that the one person who who advocated it lost their job. Yeah, there. This is so. Let's put it this way. There there are far more, and we're not even talking intelligent design here. I'm talking about young earth creationism. There are far more people with relevant than PhDs who believe in young earth creationism than people with relevant PhDs who believe in mythicism. Right. And, and not just giving it, we're not just giving a simple head count, right? I mean, this, this, this is something when, when, when really when we're talking about this, and, and this, is, this is why, you know, we can say, you know, the scholars aren't, aren't, aren't addressing it because it's, it's just pointless for them, but it's a really important work for you to do, and I really appreciate that you do it because it is a major topic uh, in kind of the atheist uh, theist uh, discussion yeah. forums. I mean, there there are there are thousands and thousands of atheists who just gobble this up like it's oh. like it's truth and they say you you know you Christians are crazy. I mean, I'm not young Earth, but they're going to say you know you, you young Earth create they're they're crazy. They're you know they're anti science. They're anti intellectual. All this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, 
you you realize you have like tens of thousands of PhDs who who are who are create young earth creationists, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, as I said there's there's four, right? <laughs> I mean, so, but but for them that that's that's reasonable. Yeah. And, and by the way, if anyone's interested, I just want to give a little plug here. So, little, little little self-serving plug. Oh yeah. If anyone's interested in the, if anyone's interested in the book series I'm doing, besides my regular website, which is labyrinth.net, there. If you go to jesusmythicism.info, that's a website just for the book series. Okay. And you can and and the, the book series is on it's on Kindle. Um, there. Well, all the books are re- are really inexpensive. I ma- I made them inexpensive intentionally. They range from ninety nine cents. I think the most expensive one, because it's fairly large, is about three ninety nine. Oh, totally affordable. Yeah, totally affordable. So, well, hopefully, all I, my listeners buy the entire series. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a wonderful idea, but <laughs> that's, that's just that's my opinion. it's a biased opinion. I I, I admit. <laughs> but as long as you admit your bias, you can overcome. So it's okay. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Well, Albert, thank you so much for joining me uh, here today. I really appreciate you coming on. You're quite welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you all again for joining us here on the Freed Thinker podcast. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, condemnations, condemnations, uh, feel free to visit us at thefreedthinkerpodcast.blogspot.com. You can visit Freedthinker group page on Facebook or email me at freedthinkerpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all again. God bless and have a great night.